0: who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Be good to your servant, that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Don't hide your commands from me. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. Lord, give me your unfailing love, the salvation you promised me. Then I can answer those who taunt me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch your word of truth from me for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Amen. And it continues on, right? There's one of those, it's one of those psalms, it's like, you know, there's one for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters, right? And there's eight verses for each thing. It's this acrostic poem. Each each one starts with a different letter. But the constant thing throughout it is like, look, now give me the sense to follow your commands. Like, it's it's just constant around. Like, God has spoken, yeah? God is, like, in this thing, in this thing we call it, the Bible, his word. Like, he's He's shown us this great heart for us, right? And he's commanded, maybe the word command sounds like a bit harsh, like a command you to do something. But what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, they're all precipitated by the fact that God, like, loves us as his people. And his desire is to reach out and not just leave us bunched, not just leave us to our own devices, but, like, but to explain to us his character and his heart and his intent for who we are and to empower us with his Holy Spirit and give us Son on our behalf so we can be connected into relationship with the Father again, all so that we can live the life that he intended for us, an eternal life that begins now. And look guys, it's so it's so huge, it's so big. And That biggest chapter of the Bible is all about just our delight being in this stuff, in, the, in what God has said, like valuing what he said. And Father, we come before you this morning and we value just, just what you've said. We want to spend some time in your word. But uh, we don't want to miss you in it. We, we want to hear you in it. We want to hear your heart. We want to see your heart. We want to know you. We want to be loved by you. We want to love you in return. Um, but we treasure the fact that you've even desired to reveal yourself to us. Like the cost. You sent your Son. You've sent us your Holy Spirit. You've empowered us. You've given us your word, Lord all of these things aligned for you to just say, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know how it is that you can and should and will live by my grace. Um, so we receive all of it today, Lord God. I ask that in the words I say in, in everything we look at, Lord God, everything we do, it's all for you. It's all for your glory, Lord, to take it and shape it and do what you want um, in Jesus' name. Um, so, yeah, I want to share with you this morning from, um, we're in the Bible Project again. We're in Mark chapter 7. And, um, and that... That, that, that passage, this, this passage we're going to read this morning, we're going to spend most of our time in, in Mark 7, it has been one of the most influential passages of scripture in my life over the past couple of years. On first reading, you mightn't be able to figure out why it's been that way, but hopefully as we unpack it, um, it'll make sense. Um, so let me, just, let me just read it, right? So Mark 7, 1 to 13, okay, tiny writing, get your binoculars out to, to read that, but maybe you have a Bible with you um, where you can just listen to it um, as I read it out. So, traditions and commandments. So it says, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples, this is Jesus' disciples, had with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly. Hold to the tradition of the elders, and when they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash and there's many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus make him void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and many such things you do. Okay, there's a bit going on there. We'll unpack it um, to try and gain an understanding of what Jesus is, is getting at here. Um, so we have the Pharisees. Me and Penny read the, the Bible each, each morning just over breakfast time. And uh, one of the recurring themes we read in Mark is like that the Pharisees are just constantly at Jesus. Every chapter there's some other place where these religious guys that are around, the guys who have had the kind of like monopoly on what it means to live as a follower of God in that time and in that space, um, of the Jewish God of Yahweh, of this this God who now they're face to face with but they don't recognize. so they they they're, they're just constantly hassling them. Like they eat some stuff on the Sabbath, like pick some grain, and they're hopping on them. Like Jesus casts out a demon, and uh, and for whatever reason, they're like, no, he's casting out demons by the power of demons rather than by the power of God. Just seem determined to misrepresent him right at every at every take. And here they are doing it again. And here's what happens: they see the disciples um, having something to eat. Good morning. <laughs> But I see the disciples having uh, having something to eat, right? But they notice they haven't they haven't washed their hands, okay? So and so, but they're like they don't just jump on it like, and that's disgusting. You haven't washed your hands. They jump on it like, why don't, you, why don't you follow the traditions of the elders? All of us wash our hands before we eat. It's a way that we show that we're holy. It's a way that we, we practice our righteousness, like that we can't eat with unclean hands. And we do, they do all this other sort of stuff, like washing all the vessels they use and washing their dining couches, whatever, whatever a dining couch is, right? But they follow all of this stuff like, to, to, to be able to, to eat. And they see the disciples doing it, and they again yeah, jump on the bandwagon, jump on this thing of Jesus. Look, your disciples don't even, don't even wash their hands. Um, now, the point, the point of what they're saying there isn't just like they're not being hygienic or whatever. What they're saying is, we're, we're, living, we're living holy here, yeah? We're doing, we're doing the right stuff here, and these people who you've called to follow you, and these claims you're making about this stuff you're preaching around, but look, the people who follow you aren't even, they're not doing this, they're not doing stuff right. They're trying to pull holes in it. It's, it's, it's revealing that it's like a, a kind of self- righteousness that they have and so jesus he pulls no punches right to to the people who would be considered the most holy around he points back into scripture to these words that isaiah wrote that they all would have known but never would have imagined were written about them right and he says isaiah was talking about you guys when he said this stuff that these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me he was talking about 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 you when he said that stuff that it's in vain that they worship me because they're teaching the doctrines of men as if they were uh, the doctrines of, yeah, men, as if they were the commandments of God. He's um, saying there's a group of people here who are doing, you're doing the outward signs of worship, right? But what really, what really you're doing is you're taking the traditions of men and you're teaching them as, as the commands of God. If Jesus hadn't spoke that out loud and we would just had this interaction, we might like, rightly kind of side with the Pharisees, right? We might rightly kind of say, well, look, these guys are right, they're treating like... The food they receive is holy. They're treating their lives as holy. They're, they're living these kind of outward signs, but Jesus, knowing their hearts, speaks and speaks in a way that would be offensive, yeah, offensive to us. Like so, you know, when you read back in the Bible and they were warning about hypocrites and they were warning about that stuff, that, that was written about you guys. That was written about you guys right here and right now. Um, and he expands, he expands over it. He's like, he's like. All of this this stuff that you're doing is like it's like putting like an oak veneer on chipboard furniture. It's like the it's just the, the, the outside is looking right, but he's like your hearts are far from me. He he gives the example then that can seem a bit confusing at first, like what's it mean, Corbin? He's talking about the father and mother and all that stuff. So we know one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, right? And Moses expanded on that stuff. And it's one of the things that we, 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 we agree with. God has connected us. There's an honor that we should show to, to those who brought us into the world. And, and it's, it's, it's one of God's 10 commandments, right? But here's what some of the Pharisees have been doing. They'd, um, they'd given, they'd taken their money, right? The money that they had. And this again, right? Looks good, right? Looks good on the outside. They'd taken their money and they dedicated it to the temple. they said this money is set aside and it's to be given to, to the temple of God, right? Um, and that's what it means that this money is, is carbon, Right? So, but then when their father and mother were in need, they, they didn't have the resource to look after them or didn't have to look after them or excused from looking after them, providing for them financially or whatever by saying, no, that money, is, that money is given to God. And it's not like they even gained financially from that because they'd given it away to the temple, right? But what were they gaining? They were gaining like holiness in the sight of people. Yeah, look what I've done. I've given away, I've given away all this. This money i've dedicated it to, to the temple to the work of god to what god is doing and again you might say well that's good that's good stuff if somebody was to take their fortune and give it to the church and say i want you to use that for the glory of god like we say that's that's awesome right but jesus he sees to the heart and he's like by doing that you're neglecting some of the commands that actually matter the commandments to to love one another he sees that you're getting glory by doing this actually because like amongst the other people who that matters to, you grow in stature and you grow in like, in how you look in front of them. Like you're seen as a holy person, but, but the cost of you being seen holy in that way is that, is that you're neglecting, you're neglecting to love people. And so, he, he, like, he just he commands them, he, he challenges them on this thing. And, and it's become one of the most, like I said, one of the most influential piece of the scripture over the past while um, in my life. And I'll explain to you, I'll explain to you how, well, back in was um, back in 2019, remember before the pandemic, <laughs> nobody knew what coronavirus was, right? Um, and, uh, and we could just do what we wanted. And uh, I, um, I got to travel over to San Francisco and I spent a bit of time with a group of guys called We Are Church, right? Um, a new church that had started there. And they'd come on my radar because I'd heard about them, like practicing the ways of Jesus, Um, in a way that was kind of freed from all of the traditions that may have been getting in the way of them actually following Jesus, right? So I saw a group of people who, they'd done this, they'd taken taken the word of God, right? And they were like, if all we had, right? If we didn't have 2,000 years of church history and we didn't know what it looked like to meet on a Sunday morning, we didn't have any of that kind of, like, we, we sing our songs and somebody preaches and, like, we didn't have any of that, right? And what we had was... The scripture what we had was the story of jesus taking some people and making disciples sending them out to change the world we had the stories of the early church the things that they devoted themselves to we had the letters written to the church saying this is what matters don't lose focus on it don't lose it we had the book of revelation jesus writing back to the churches you know those letters saying remember remember your first love don't 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 move away from this stuff that's all they had right just the commands that were written in it what would church look like and the guys had the bottle to try and start something that actually looked, that actually looked like that. So I was compelled by that, and um, I got to go over and spend just a week with them, um, and uh, and it was it was beautiful. I come back and people would ask me what, what, what was it like, Rob, over in San Francisco, and I was just that's the word I kept using, right? It was it was beautiful, and uh, and it resonated with me that that was um that was that was what we should be able to say of the church, that it's beautiful, it's Christ's bright, you know, like it's, it was a it was a beautiful beautiful thing that I saw. Um, and so there was a, there was a group of us. Like, and So how did this scripture come into, into, into plan, Right? There was a group of us who were there. So there was me from Ireland and there were some other guys, mostly from around the States. But various people who, like these We Are Church guys, who come on their radar because they were, like, compelled by the same sort of thing. That We've always been compelled by, yeah. We read Acts, we read Acts 2, Acts 4, the kind of community, like, like that could be us. We read the big things it says about us as, and our identity as Christians and we're like... How do, we, how do we step into that, right? And so there was a group of us gathered there from all sorts of like, traditions, all sorts of different churches to, 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 to kind of learn from these guys. And there was a young guy there um, who was part of We Are Church, a guy called Peter from Northern Ireland, young fellow, about 20, um, and he was one of, the, one of the leaders in that space. And he did this little exercise with us. Um, and it was based off, off of this scripture. So we read what I just read, Mark 7 there together. Um, and he drilled down on this idea of like teaching the, the doctrines um, of man as the commandments of God, and then even leaving the commandments of God to hold to the traditions of men. Or even then, in verse 9, where it says he finds a way of rejecting, eventually, the, can- the commandments of God in order to establish our traditions. And all he did, right, he got a whiteboard, and he drew a line down the middle, and he was like, um, put up that next slide, now." I don't want to be able to read this, but um, I took notes of what was on the so this is just like, a, like a, a scan from my notebook from 2019 when I was there. And he was like, okay guys, let's just list off, if we can, all of the things that we know God has commanded us to do, right? Just from our knowledge of scripture. Like, let's just like, list, list them out. And it's not an exhaustive list, right? There's probably a hundred things, right? But these were the things that came out like in the, in the brainstorm. So the command, right? The greatest commandment, ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love, love God. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Um, underneath it, love love each other so love your neighbour as yourself the command that Jesus says when he commands like a new commandment I give unto you yeah, that you love one another, this is how people will know you're my disciples, the way that you love one another, so these things that Jesus who owns the church, Jesus who started the church, the things that he's actually asked for from the church so we went on down, make disciples, Jesus' last words before he sends up into heaven, all authority and power on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go and make disciples in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Next one there, uh, bapti- baptism, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. These are, these are commands of Jesus. Jesus, It's Jesus' church, yeah? Like, what are the things that he's actually asked for from us, the things he's explicitly commanded Use your gifts as we get into the New Testament. And we say that with the Holy Spirit, we read, so the Holy Spirit's been given to each one of us as he's apportioned different gifts for the purpose of the benefit of building up of the body. He gives to different gifts to different people so that we would build it up. The command is to know, desire, and use those gifts. The um, thing to appoint elders, where we have like the church being established, to give generously. We see in Corinthians and that sort of stuff. To teach the word, that command that goes out to preach and teach and be witnesses of Jesus all around the world. To pray, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I can't even read my writing below down to see what that says. Uh, to repent, to confess your sins to one another, teach your kids, right? We could keep we could keep going on, yeah. Forgive one another, use your spiritual gifts, do not worry. All the things, right, we're to sit here and think through, right? And now nobody disagrees with any of those things, right? We're like, that's, that's awesome. This is, what, this is what God wants for us. Um, and all of them, if you look at the list, right, when we speak about commands, right, and let's just get rid of any negative association with the word command, right? Like, all of them is God saying to us, oh, the one who made you, the one who made you for eternity with me, I want you to know what it is that I have for you. I want you to know what my promises are for you. I want you to walk in those things so when god commands us to do something it's about restoring relationship with him and restoring relationship with one another you won't find a command there that doesn't relate to relationship with god being restored and relationship and reconciliation amongst amongst people because he's formed us into this new humanity right so they're they're his commands all the important things then on the other side of the board right he drew a line down the middle and he's like now guys let's list off all of the things that we that we do, that are good things, right? Like washing your hands is a good thing, yeah? Like the Pharisees, washing your hands is a good thing, like giving to the church is a good thing, like the Pharisees were doing it. All the things that we, we do, but that aren't necessarily commanded by, by Scripture, right? Um, that you would imply, these are the outworkings, maybe of the commands, but the things that, we, that we, we focus on and the things we do as a church. So we started the list, there's people from different traditions, so they had like dress up for church, which you can tell I don't do, right? Um, like membership of the church, bylaws, all that sort of stuff. So they were from some traditions that had a lot of maybe like regulations and that sort of stuff. Um, and then it went on to stuff like where we meet um, and when we meet. Like, do we need to gather for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning in a building? Um, is that commanded by, by the Lord? You might assume that it is. If you were to start the church, that's the questions that you would want to answer straight away. They're, they're the things that you would go to. But is that a command? And then how-tos on baptism and communion. Even in that little room, there's different views on should we be like baptisms like we had yesterday, or adult baptisms, people giving their life to the Lord and being fully immersed. Do you sprinkle water on people? Can you baptize children? All of that sort of stuff. Again, not exp- there's room for different interpretations from scripture, right? The command is to be baptized, but the form is open there, the form of communion. Professional clergy, right? Even the idea of there being full-time paid pastor for a church, like, it's the norm, it's what we, we've come to accept, but it's not a commandment. And um, what elders are, the ways in which we tithe, the monologue, which by that I mean the 30 to 40 minutes that somebody gets up every week and, and speaks and preaches, not a command in Scripture, right? Not, not, not there. Um, there's examples of it, but not a command. Um, the sinner's prayer, even the way that we lead people to Jesus, not a command. Don't find it in Scripture. We find a command to make disciples. We find a command to evangelize, tell people about the Lord, to live our lives before them, to overlap them, but not necessarily there. Then all of the programs, right? So all of the kids' ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, prison ministry, outreach ministry, anything with ministry at the end of it, Not commanded in scripture, not necessarily bad things, in fact, not bad things, good things. Bible reading plans, age-based ministries, all of that stuff, right? Discipleship programs, alpha courses, freedom equip courses, anything that we we run, right? Now, and the penny penny dropped for me when I looked at the list, right? Because all of those things that are on the right-hand side, right? All, All good things, right? Nobody is saying that they're bad things. Nobody is saying we've been doing something wrong by doing all of those. God's grace is is active. There's some of the means by which God has transformed each of our lives. We can point to those things up there, sermons that we've heard that have transfer, transformed our lives. Moments we've baptized or done things like structures in church that have that have like equipped us and caused us to grow and become more like Jesus. But the point is is this that it's completely possible, right? And and even virgin on probable. The longer that you go, that you can do all of the things on the right without reference to to all of the things on the left. You with me? That we can do all of the tradition stuff, and it passes for relationship with God. And we can even end up doing it in place of all the things on the left. That's that's the essence of religion. That's the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees. For me, I was like, Rob, it's entirely possible for you to attend the meetings and train the leaders, and run the programs, and preach, and go through all the motions of church, but to miss out on Jesus, and the things he actually wants to do in and through, through my life. That's the real warning of this, and many other scriptures, yeah? Not just this scripture alone, but it's most of Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees, it's most of the content of the letters of the New Testament, like I said, those, those letters that Jesus writes back in the church in, in Revelation, um, loads of spaces where... Where, where, where Jesus just reminds us, you know, Jesus Himself at one point says, you know, there's many who'll stand before me, the day of judgment. Lord, did we do this in Your name? Can we do that? Can we do this? And His response to be away from me. I didn't, I didn't know You. I didn't know You. I, I didn't. I do all the things on the right there, I dress up and church member and preached and I taught and I did, I did all of that stuff. But did I love the Lord of God with all my heart, on all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and I loved my neighbor as myself? Was I shaped daily by pressing into the presence of the Lord? Was I filled with the Holy Spirit? Were those things that actually mattered there, or did I substitute them for things that looked like the right way? And it's a scary thing to think of that. And I thought back on, on leadership meetings at the time, when we went back, right? And, and for me, this is the way the Lord, the Holy Spirit was in this moment, right? It's the way he caused the penny to drop, right? Because when I, I look back on, on, on meetings that we had had about how we're going to plant churches, or meetings that we had about like, establishing churches or continue to build them, 99% of the stuff, guys, was the stuff on the right-hand side of the screen up there. It was the tradition stuff. When will we meet? How will we meet? How long is the sermon going to be? We ran over by five minutes on worship. We were late starting. The heating wasn't on. There was no cups for tea and coffee. The, like, da 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 da, da, da right? Stuff that's important, don't get me wrong, stuff that like can't flow out of a good, a good heart because we want to serve the Lord with excellence and goodness. But... On the flip side of that, I couldn't remember a conversation where it was like, how are we doing I loving one another? Like Jesus said that. The new commandment I give you love one another It's how are going to know you're my disciples? How are we causing people to grow in love for one another? How are we making sure that the person in the front seat and the person in the back seat actually know, know each other, like love each other to the extent that it's a witness to the world of who Jesus is? That's what Jesus said was the point about oneness. Like how are we growing? How are we doing in terms of loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, all mind and strength? Those things weren't weren't on the agenda in that in that season. That's not to say they weren't there, right? That's not to say we were on some tangent of doing something that was anti-God or not. No, there was like like our hearts had been in good places, but but to to jump in and defend and just say, well, no, all of that Rob was just the outworking of the good stuff would be to negate what Jesus is saying here that there's a tendency in the human heart. There's a tendency that we have, like a car, you know, that anyone ever have a car and the track is off, and like if you just let go of the wheel, it just like goes this way. It's like, there's a tendency in us to just like drift off this way into religion, into just like going through the motions. And he's like, you need, to, you need that correction. You need to keep that, that hand that just like pulls it back in and keeps it, keeps it on course. And those things are the things that he's commanded us to do. And so I could defend and say, yeah, well, no, look, the only reason we were talking about how long a service is is because we love people and we want it to be predictable for services to be a certain length. Because people have lives and they want to go on, you know, da 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 da, da, da right? Um, and I could jump in and defend all of that. But I would miss that truth that Jesus is, is adamant, we realize, that there's this tendency to turn to created things rather than the Creator. That's what Romans tells us. There's this tendency to want the things we can't control rather than to want the one who is in control. That we can take even the things of God and they can become a substitute for actually knowing God. It's it's, it's just an outworking of sin in our lives that we need to to walk with, to constantly kind of adjust. And guys, the reason for this is not to say anything that we would do there, any of those ministries, any of that stuff is wrong, but just to, to, to recognize the fact that we could do all of that still miss Jesus. That's a constant, a constant warning in Scripture. And can I confess that there's been times in my life where if you asked me, Rob, how's your, how's your walk with the Lord doing? I would list off all of the things that I'm doing for church. right? But there were seasons, whole seasons where if you asked me that, I'd be like, oh man, it's going great, so we have like X amount of people in this discipleship stuff. And we're doing this in church. This is what we're preaching. And this is blah, blah, blah. right? So you're asking me really but if you were to ask like, Rob, what's God doing in your heart right now? I'd probably draw a blank. Right? Like, it's just associated with the stuff, the things. You know? Where God is really, really after our hearts, that's the thing, that's the the message. Like, it's not for us to hear some condemnation of the Lord saying, your hearts are far from me. It's for us to to hear the voice of God saying, man, is your heart far from me? Because it doesn't have to be. I've done everything, everything, so that your heart can be connected to me. Everything, so that you can know me, you can live. Life of peace, and satisfaction, and purpose, and meaning. Like, but is your, is your heart far? And has even the things of God become a way that you can, you can end up far from? It? Because guys, we can have all the stuff. The Bible's repetitive, yeah? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I have all wisdom, if I give all I have to the poor, don't have love, what am I doing? Just making noise. I remember the guys who were here from Nashville last week, I remember going to, to visit their church. Um, and man, they have, they have everything you could imagine, right? Nashville's like a weird, it's like Bible belt stuff, right? So every corner, so there's a Methodist church here, right? There's a Presbyterian church on the corner there, right? So imagine that, right? But then expand this church size by like 50 times, right? Make it into a campus, and then there's another one on the next corner. And you see the facilities that they had. They had like this whole, like two floors of stuff for, for youth, or for kids. Like, set up with, like, soft play areas and all the stuff you could imagine, right? Big auditoriums for the adults. They had a whole separate building in this church in Nashville for, like, for youth. Like, just a whole, a whole separate building. Like, its own thing. Just for, for youth. And um, but when I talked to Mike, um, who, was the, who was the leader of the team right then, he was like, "Their directors a mission. He's like, Rob, in our context, we're not trying to convince people to become Christians. We're trying to convince the people who think they're Christians that they're not, so that they become Christians. That there's... There's a space that you can exist in where you're doing all the stuff, the great youth ministry, the kids ministry, the preaching, we're going along, I'm giving my money to the church, all of this stuff, but hearts can be far from the Lord. And that substitutes. Somehow we're willing, there's a willingness at times, right? And I hope there's not a willingness in us, right? But there can be a willingness to just, like, accept that that's that's what it looks like. Whereas God wants your heart. Like, he wants your heart. And he wants your heart because he loves you does not want your heart because he's demanding, doesn't want your heart because he's like that's the greatest cost or something like he wants your heart because because he loves you. He wants to lavish his love upon you, he wants you to be transformed from one degree of glory to another as you behold, behold him. He wants there to be nothing broken between you. He doesn't want anything in between you, whether it's sin or whether it's religion. Yeah. He just wants he just wants your heart. And so uh, my question to you, I suppose, one of the things is the to you today is like, are you busy with life and, and even doing the right things to the extent that you can be missing out on Jesus? Um, and that's been a pattern, a pattern in my life. Um, busy with all the right things, but if you ask me where intimacy with God is, it's been missing. Like, it's been like, I don't know, it's just distant, you know, just functioning on yesterday's bread, or whatever. Um, but God wants to give us our daily bread. Could you list off all the things that you're doing for Him, but find it harder to list off? the things that he's doing in you, the ways he's changing your heart, the ways he's at work in you today, wants to be at work in you today to make you more like his son. And so that's the call, guys, and that's, that's where we're moving as a, as a church, um, is to not settle for just doing, not settle for just doing the things that are on, on the right and ignoring the, the things that are on the left. Because you could easily do it. You can preach and teach and all that sort of stuff, but then not make disciples know that you don't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and the strength. Not to put yourself in the way of the love of God in days or weeks or months. Not love your brothers or sisters or even know their names. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We live in a world now where it's very, very easy to not even know your neighbor's names. Let alone love them. Let alone care deeply about them. Let alone believe that your place is an ambassador, as a light in the world. All these things that the Bible says about us like to shine in the place where they live, to reach out and show compassion and love and mercy, to somehow reflect who Jesus is to the world around. And we can fall for just, just going through religious stuff, right? Whereas the call that's on our life is so much deeper. It's, it's, it's a call to be loved by him, to love him in return, and to live out that love in the world around us. Or you might, you might look at the list on there, the left and think, man. Well, I can't do that stuff. I don't like who am I, I going to baptize? I can't make disciples. I don't. And, but but my belief is right. My belief is that God has called each and every one of, those, of of us to those things. And why is it my belief? Because because Scripture says that that's the case. Yeah, it's not just wishful thinking or hope hopeful thinking. It's something that the Bible has said is true. We have to be willing at some point to say, well, like who gets to find and write on what I can or can't do. You might think, well, that stuff is is beyond me, but the very point of it is that it's beyond you, yeah? The point of it is that you need the Holy Spirit living in you for that to be the case. The point of it is that you can't do this stuff without me. You can do all of the stuff on the right without the Lord. Believe me, right? We do it, we can do it, all other religions do it, yeah? People who don't believe in Jesus at all but do all of the stuff that's kind of there on on the right but worshipping other gods, they do that stuff. You can't do the things that are on the left, without the work of the Lord in your life, without being filled with the Holy Spirit, without it originating and starting in God. And that's the point of it. Do you see that all these commands are an invitation into relationship? He's saying, this stuff seems beyond you. Great that it's beyond you because I'm going to live in you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you supernatural gifts to be able to do this stuff. I'm going to give you boldness to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit and give you spiritual like, like gifts and abilities. I'm, I'm going to walk with you. Go make disciples of all nations. Why? Because I'm with you to the end of the age. Like, and it takes us believing that to step into those things. If you find that you can live the Christian life without it, without intimacy with Jesus, then, then it's not the Christian life. That's the horn to us. By definition, we're the people who, who, who just know we have to live in relationship with Jesus. And so those, those, words, those words stayed with me right over the past couple of years, and they've, they've influenced how, how I've tried to walk with the Lord, um, how as we formed teams in church, um, as we formed eldership, as we've like gone back to, to, to the Lord, um, it's formed and has been forming who we are as a group of people. Um, myself and myself and Noel about um, about a year, just just when I came back from that 2019, we got together and you guys know some of that story. But we got we got together and initially we got together to try and do some work and figure out where are we going as a church. First morning we got together six o'clock in Noel's house. We uh, we did this kind of exercise, traditions and commands. We just felt tangibly the presence of the Lord there, and led us into a whole kind of year of praying up until the pandemic kind of stopped us being in each other's home. Um, a year of praying every morning at 6 a.m., um, my house, his house, back and forth, where we just like led this stuff before the Lord. And we're like, Lord, if you don't want us to change anything, if everything we're doing is great and is right, then let us know that, and we just like throw ourselves, heart, soul, mind, and strength into it. That's what we're doing. But also, if there's anything that we're doing, if there's any traditions, any mode, any way that we're existing right now that gets in the way of what you would actually command us to do, what you actually want us to do, then we're willing to lay down all of that. Whatever it is, how precious it might seem to us, however sacred it might seem to us, whether it's ministries, it's positions in church, it's whatever, that it's, it's yours. And he led us on a journey of, of doing that over the course of a year or so. Then the pandemic hit and a lot of our traditions still just disappeared because we couldn't We couldn't gather, but in the midst of that, God was was working in us, Um, and he was working through us, and a group of people gathered, like the core of people gathered throughout that year on Zoom, and continued to meet, kind of two, three years into this, who, we went back to scripture, and we were like, Lord, from scratch, again, if we did the same thing, if this is all we had, this is all we had, is your word telling us what what you desire for us. How would we gather? What would our lives look like? What would the things we do together look like? What would be the practicalities of it? And we want to be committed to doing that. And so we worked, we worked that out and over time we wrote it down and we, we expressed it and many of you will be familiar with it and we, we, we preached through it then to try and get it like to figure out that the rest of the church, here's what it, here's what it looks like. Those loaves that you see behind you here are a reflection of what we believe Jesus has commanded of the church they're at like the heart of it. It all starts with love. It starts with the fact that we're loved by God. This gospel value of. we didn't love God first. He first loved us. It's He's the origin. He's the starter of everything that happens and flows into the others. I'm not going to preach through them, but you know them. They're the commands, right? We love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all minds and strength. We will love our neighbors as ourselves. We will love one another and we will love being a part of what God is doing in the world. Like rooted in our hearts. These weren't just like the it wasn't just like we needed a mission statement or something, it was, it was something that flowed in terms of saying, Jesus what do you want from your church, will you shape our hearts to want what you want and we're willing to write them down and nail our colours to the, to the mast in that way and then out of that we, we, we wrote a list of, of values and practices that these aren't just aspirational loves but what are the things that we do to say we're going to step out in obedience so we took from the list of things that we had um, I think it's the next slide, map. Um, they're there. We practice. We, we preached through them. We practice. We began to practice them. So these are the things we're dedicated to as a church. Yeah, that we spend time with God in prayer and worship, Bible reading, in the Lord's supper and Sabbath rest. These are the, 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 the practical ways that we say we want to do what God has asked us to do. We spend time with one another. We're going to practice hospitality and generosity. We're going to practice forgiveness. We are going to make disciples. Everyone will make disciples. Everyone will use, know, and use their spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body and those who are around them. That the role of leaders in the church won't be to serve the church in terms of we're the ones who like who who do everything on behalf of the church, but instead they take the role of servant leaders who equip the church to express the fullness of who Christ is. That's a truth from Ephesians, yeah. That's the role of leaders in the church. And that we'll reach out, we'll practice mercy, we'll work with holy intent, meaning that we won't limit what God is gonna do to ministry time, we won't limit what he's gonna do to Sunday morning space or to other gatherings, but that in our workplaces, wherever we are, in our schools, in our colleges, in our jobs, that we will will work with holy intent, knowing that God is with us in that and causes us to shine his lights, right? We spoke through that stuff and, and preached it um, but the next step in our, in, our, in our journey of how we do that is we're gonna start some new expressions of church that are gonna meet midweek um, in people's homes. Um, all around Dublin, Wicklow, Kildare, um, and they're gonna be built around these loves and practices. So we got a blank canvas to form ways of gathering, ways of being together, that aren't just shaped by tradition and shaped by what's expected and shaped by what we've always done in the past, but blank canvases of spaces to say, if we were to create spaces, ways to gather, ways of overlapping our lives together, that made it the most likely that this stuff would happen, what would they, what would they look like? Strip it back from the tradition, strip it back from the expectations, and said. We want to gather in ways, Jesus, that lets us be obedient to what you've, you've asked us to. And um, That's what we're going to do. We're going to call them home churches. Nothing happens with Sunday morning here. Sundays will still continue to function. We'll still continue to have this space until the Lord might lead us to do something with it in years to come. But that's up to the Lord in his timing and in his, in his, in his will. But we're going to start these things in October. And um, There'll be opportunities for you to get involved in a space that's not a cell group. You might hear, You might think, oh, he's talking about a home group. Nope, I'm talking about a church. Yeah, not a Bible study. Not just a space to get together and read the Bible. No, I'm talking about a church that functions in every way that a church is meant to function. If you had this and everything that a church is meant to do. Mercy and justice, community formation, worship, loving the Lord, all of those things, that they will function in that way. Spaces that will be shaped to do the things Jesus asked of us. Do you know when I talk to some people around, this idea of, of starting new gatherings like this. They're like, oh, like the church in Acts, right? And like sometimes if they're Christians, like their eyes light up a bit. And they're like, oh, you mean like the church in Acts? Like they're excited about it, right? And, uh, and that's, that's awesome, right, that they're excited about that. But then I'm like, what well, if we're not being like the church in Acts, what are we at? Do you know what I mean? Like what's the, what's, the, what's the alternative? Do you know what I mean? What are we settling for? If like, if it was not, oh, you mean like the church in the New Testament, that's what you're going after? what what else what have we been going after do you know what i mean why why would that be the norm why would that be or why would going after that be something something weird or something like something strange um but we're going after this stuff wholeheartedly guys it's where we're going to put our energy and our resources and our time um into establishing this space families of followers of jesus committed to practicing the ways of jesus together in community people who know one another love one another worship the Lord together, be in scripture daily together, committed to being shaped by the word, people who make disciples of one another and disciples of those around them, people meeting in homes who will love their neighbours, not just their metaphorical neighbour but their actual neighbour, I'm in 91, the number, the person in number 92, do you know what I mean, the person in number 90 on the other side, like to look out and say these are the people who God has placed me in the world to, to love and witness to People who love one another the way that Jesus, intentionally small meeting in homes, to be able to love each other the way that Jesus said. Jesus took 12 lads, he's like, the way that you love one another will show the world that you're my disciples. Even though there was crowds and there was large groups of people, he's like, you need to be connected with a a smaller space where you can actually know and be known, speak the truth in love, grow in in accountability, confess your sins to one another. All those ways, 59 one anothers, remember we preached through them, Fifty-nine like ways in the New Testament of being connected, want to have intentionally small spaces so that the overlap in the lives that's described in the New Testament is is possible. You know, there's a group of people who have your back. Those people who like, it's not just whether you come along on a Sunday morning, but your lives have been overlapped. Churches on mission to the people in the roads and the estates and the places where they live. Like and all of this, the reason for it is that Jesus' heart is so great for us that when he's when he's commanded us to do something, guys, it's too important to leave on the back burner. I don't know about you, but, but often my life is looked at, looked like looking at the scope of this stuff. As someone who loves you guys, right, and who loves himself as well, right, so I, I, I would read the Bible, and I would see just the scope of what it says about me. Like, I'm an ambassador. God, I'm a priest. I'm not, I'm, and some of that might be easier to believe about me because I have a position in a church where, well, yeah, you're doing, like, priestly things or whatever, Right? But, but about you guys, and, and a lot of, like he says that you're a priest, Naomi. <laughs> like he says that you're an ambassador, Jane, Like he says you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Caroline. He says there's gifts that he's given you to make a difference in the world. And that's, that's huge, but sometimes there's like just this disconnect, yeah, Rob, it's good to say that, but what's that, what's that even look like? Do you know what I mean? I'll leave here, and what's, what's it even, how do, I, how do I do that? And the point of these, these gatherings that we're forming, or this new way of being together as a church, this new expression, to go alongside what we're already doing and what God has been at work in amongst us on Sundays um, is to say we want to we kind of like put some feet, we want to take some steps out of the boat and see what does it, what, how can we actually do this be shaped intentionally for that to happen um, and so if you're hungry for that I'd invite you to come on that journey with us to hear, I believe that Jesus is calling us to follow him I believe that even as Christians, right, who maybe walked with the Lord 20, 30 years, that there's still deeper stuff for us, right? Not out of a place of condemnation, out of a place, you've been doing it all wrong, now you need to know to this new kind of gathering, not in the slightest, right? But out of this, moving from one degree of glory to another degree of like, here's what I've done in your life so far, and it's awesome, and I celebrate it, but here's the deeper things of God, here's the way to move, the way to move forward and to accept that call to, to follow him. Because there's a deeper level to all of us. He walks on the seaside, he calls the lads who are out fishing. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers and men. There's something in them that's like, yeah, he's, just, he's worth following. And he still is. My heart's in prayer is that you would feel that same compelling thing. Not to get on board with a project of church, because what's that? But to, but to be followers of Jesus at deeper levels. There's more for you than even you've tasted today. Because there's always more to God. And so that's the gatherings that we stand. We'll, let you, we'll let you know more about them in the coming weeks. Um, that will be shaped at least to try and facilitate from scratch these, these ways that we want to be together. But it's not just about the gatherings, like I said already, it's about the heart, right? Because you can also go to those new gatherings and we can go there with hard hearts and just make a whole load of, a whole load of new traditions, do you know what I mean? A whole load of new ways. Um, and my encouragement to you today is just if you're going to shape your life around anything, Shape it around these things that God has said of you. Be immersed in it. Like dare to believe when He calls you those things. He says you're a son, a daughter of God. When He says you have destiny, when He said there was plans He made you for. Dare to believe those things. Don't let Don't let it just move past what we do here on a Sunday morning. Like dare to believe it on a Monday. Like walk as an ambassador of God. Walk as as an expression of the love of God. Walk in that stuff. The panthan's going to dictate to you what you do and how you live your life, how you live your day, your week, your month, your, your entire life. Let it be the truth of who God says that you are. I want to read out just maybe, maybe one of those psalms again just by a way of, of prayer. Um, for just to even align our hearts with what God wants um, and this morning to just allow him to do, give it a little bit of a space for you just to reflect. And to ask you, like, what what is God doing in your heart? Where is He where is He working? Because that's what He's that's what He's after. And even to give you the opportunity, like I have had to do many times, and possibly have to do weekly, daily, is to repent of just my own my own my own self effort, and instead just throw myself at the mercy of the One who loves me, and is with my heart I will accomplish in my life what I can't accomplish by myself. Let me read this psalm and I'll pray again. Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. all oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Lord, we take those words of the psalmist, Lord, and pray that they would reflect our hearts, Lord, that we wouldn't be ashamed, that we would walk in your grace and truth, that we would be shaped by you every day, Lord, that we wouldn't have no expectations or religious expectations or whatever on our lives, but that we would walk in the truth of who you've said we are, Lord God. I pray that you would encourage our hearts for the more that you're calling us to, Because there's always more of you, Lord. I pray you would take us into deeper um, relationship with you, Jesus. That we could walk in a way, Lord God, that we won't be ashamed when we we line up our lives with your commandments. Lord, I believe that you've empowered us with your Holy Spirit and everything that's needed, Lord God, for us to walk in holiness, for us to walk in righteousness, for us to walk in grace, for us to live our lives as demonstrations of your grace at work and your empowerment of your Holy Spirit. So I pray over each of us gathered and those who are missing even, Lord God, I pray this morning um, and in the days to come, Lord, that, uh, that we would be empowered in that way. That you would draw us in whatever way it takes to be drawn into a relationship with you. For your glory and for our good. We trust our lives to you. We trust this next season or this new expression, Lord God, um, of church that's coming up, Lord. We know that you, I know that you have led us towards and I pray that it's those of us who are going to participate in it do so that um, we would find ourselves stepping into the destiny that you have for us, Lord God. To be loved by you, to love you in return, Lord. To get to live as your ambassadors, your missionaries, the people who you loved, who are loved by you, Lord. We bless you, Lord God, and thank you. I pray, Father, that um, there would be no, even as we spoke around this stuff, and it can seem like even a harsh word, like the way you are harsh with the Pharisees, Lord. All you speak is in truth, and all you speak is in love, Lord God. So I pray that even where there's conviction in our spirits that that wouldn't come with condemnation because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Instead, it would come, Lord God, with the desire to want to have our lives and hearts aligned and alive to what it is that that you have for us. Everything that you do, Lord God, you do in love. So I pray that in love you would take and shape your church that is liberty, Lord God, um, and use it for your glory that we could be the church that you intended, the church that you want.